This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hi folks, be sure to visit my website at dr-history.com for a short personal video message, to listen to the latest stories, and to leave a comment. Oh my, yes sirree Bob, here we go, we have old father history coming on the program right now, lugging a book that's about three feet by two feet and 18 inches thick with all of his personal writings of what's happened since way back to Joan of Arc, Christopher Columbus, Billy the Kid, and Barack Obama. Oh well, let's not go there. Good morning, Dr. History. One of these days, that'll be past history. I yeah, hope. I hope, in November. Yes. Yes. How you doing, Zeb? I tell you what, Doc, I'm pretty good, enjoying the weather, enjoying a nice summer, if you will, and one of the highlights is always having you on the program on Tuesdays. Well, thank you. I think I've got one that'll be interesting today. Oh, what's it going to be about? Naked well, Mountain Men! Let a little bit. Oh, okay. Uh, let me throw out the word drag queen, cattle, and mining. <laughs> I was going to kid you. And you you had that story out about the naked mountain men that were scaring Indians, and, and then all the uh, ladies of the red light district in Sacramento and San Francisco. Now what are you going to talk about? <laughs> well, let's get into it. Oh, please. Okay, two names I want you to remember, Benjamin LaDuke and his partner, Jack Gillen. LaDuke and Gillen. Gillen, G-I-L-L-I-N. Okay, gotcha. LaDuke and Gillen, okay? Uh, This LaDuke, he knew how to dress for the occasion. He met a wagon train bound for Utah dressed as an Indian. (laughs) Later, with stolen riches, he dressed as a woman and may have been Utah's first drag queen, and I'll... Explain that a little bit later in detail. Uh, only a chiropractor could come up with this. <laughs> I thought you'd enjoy this one. <laughs> anyway, this Leduc guy, he told a lot of stories about his past, and like a lot of these things, sometimes it's hard to tell fact from fiction, and there's not a lot known about him, but it is known that Leduc and his friend Jack Gillen rode into Utah in the mid-1870s with a wagon train. Okay. Now, when Leduc approached the wagon train, he's actually dressed as an Indian, and he explained that he was French-Canadian, which his name would indicate that, and so he had darker skin than the, than the white people, and so he could pass safely through Indian country dressed as an Indian, which uh, he also spoke several languages, which helped him through Indian country. But, uh, you know, wouldn't you think as an Indian you'd know if this guy was really an Indian? I don't know. Yeah, you know, like Tonto, you know, I mean, uh, oh, my name, Tonto. I'm from what tribe? I can't remember, you know, I mean. Yeah, New York City. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, the gang on the south side. Yeah, so anyway, this wagon train that they were on, it went on to California, but LaDuke and Gillen stayed in Utah. And they both, they discovered as friends that they had a common interest. Uh Uh-oh. They both wanted to be wealthy, but they didn't want to work for it. Isn't that, that sounds like the Obama administration. (laughs) That's an interesting, interesting thing how people (laughs) kind of come together that have the same goals in life. Right. So what they did is they headed south of Salt Lake and south of Provo 
to the Tintic mining area with their pack horses weighed, weighed down with barrels of whiskey. And mm-hmm. when they arrived, they started building a rough pine sod uh, structure, and they made a, had a makeshift sign on the door, the Red Saloon. And this was their first bar. And they did pretty good. Uh, and so they opened a second saloon, and each one ran his own own saloon. But this Tintic mining district is kind of in western Utah, and actually dollar for dollar was as great as almost any other strike in the United States, including the Comstock load in Virginia City, Nevada. So now, was it a gold or a silver mine? It, it was actually, there was about three things, gold, silver, and something else I can't remember, but I'll, I'll get to that. Okay. Here. But, uh, yeah, a lot of it was gold, but... Anyway, uh, oh, here it is, uh, copper, oh. gold, silver, and copper, oh. and, and some other minerals. But uh, the town of Mammoth actually grew around one of the richest mines in the area, and that was the Mammoth Mine. Mm-hmm. And how that all began is kind of like some of the other stories about mines. There was a cowboy riding herd in the area. He sat down and found a few rocks that didn't look quite like the others. He took the rocks into Salt Lake City, and they proved to be rich in ore. Mm-hmm. Well, five men learned of the ore samples, and late, they left in midwinter to check out this area. And they fought a severe blizzard as they entered the area, so they made camp. Well, the next morning, the men faced really high snowdrifts. They were discouraged. They were cold, miserable. They decided to go back to Salt Lake. Well, during lunch, two of the men decided to look around, and they uh, hiked up to a kind of a rocky outcrop cropping on the mountainside, and here they found some really high-grade copper ore I see. sitting right on the ground. Oh, my goodness. Wow. So, anyway, <clears throat> the men decided to call their claim Sunbeam, and it was the first claim in this Tintic district. That's what they referred to it as. Mm-hmm. But when the re- news reached Salt Lake, the rush was on. I mean, people came on foot, horseback, pack mules, wagons, just any way they could. Well, now, wh- where was this? This was west of Salt Lake. Are you talking over past yeah. the hill by Tuella, or where are you talking about? Well, what you do, I've got a map right in front of me. Uh, if you head south through Tuella yeah. and over to Vernon to Eureka, yeah. you can get there, and it's south, almost directly south of Utah Lake. They That's didn't the just way. they didn't just run to Salt Lake then, did they? That's a pretty good no. trek. No. Uh, on this map, it shows if you go to Provo, and about halfway to Nephi, head west at a place called Santaquin. Just head west, and that's where the Mammoth and the Tintic Mine area is. Holy smokes. So, yeah, it's, it's not just a hop, skip, and a jump out of Salt Lake. Yeah. So, but anyway, a bunch of these people came. Most were Nevadans or Californians. Um, anyway, in 1870, more strikes were made in this area, and... Uh, prospectors found a large outcry. I mean, it's easy for you to say. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> I say anything. <laughs> anyway, uh, the, the biggest mine was named the Mammoth Mine. Okay. And the owner of the mine, his name was Charles Crimson. Okay. Well, he kind of became discouraged with mining, and he wanted to do something else. So his chance was coming into the valley. In the distance one day, he saw a big cloud of dust. And as they got closer, it was a huge herd of Texas Longhorns owned by a couple of tax- Texas cattlemen, Sam and William McIntyre. Okay. Now, the McIntyres started the cattle business by selling land in Texas inherited from their father. Now, if that name, McIntyre, sounds a bit familiar to our listeners, Sam McIntyre was the one that came up here, over here by Connor Creek, and, and started the Melcher Mine. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. and the, the, what we call the Million Dollar Mansion that's up there. All right. That's owned by Gary Jones right now. So this is the same uh, McIntyre, and this is how he kind of came up into this area. Huh. 
Now, uh, the McIntyres bought 7,000 head of cattle, and they started for Utah, and this is where they hoped to sell them. Well, they were eight months on the trail, but when the McIntyres got to the Tintig Valley, they wintered the herd, and in the spring, they sold their cattle for $24 a head. Wow. And they paid $3.75 a head in Texas. Wow. So, you know, that's a pretty good profit. Well, it uh, is, but the eight months on the trail with the trail hands and all the misery and everything, man, I'll tell you what, for $24 a head cattle, come on. <laughs> well, you know, we've talked before about the trail hands, and they didn't make the best of money, but and, and for all the hard work that they did. Yeah. So, but what happened was these two guys, they, they actually did quite well, so they went back to Omaha, bought another herd, and brought this herd back into the valley. Well, the guy that owned this mammoth mine, this Charles Crimson, he decided, like I say, he was a little discouraged with it. So he traded his share of the mammoth mine for the cattle. Well, it was the best deal that the McIntyres ever made. And after spending a little money on the mine, they hit it rich, and it actually made them millionaires. And wow. That's probably why he was, the one brother was able to come up here into Idaho. Okay. Now, this Crimson that bought the cattle, it wasn't so good for him because the next winter the, there were deep snows, low temperatures, he lost about 80% of his herd. Oh. So he went from, could have had a pretty good deal to pretty much nothing. Yeah. But anyway, this town of Mammoth peaked at about, oh, 2,500 people, had four big hotels. Uh, now, here's where these other two guys come back into the picture. Are we uh, going to get back to LaDuke and Gillen? <laughs> we are. <laughs> they These two guys in the mid-1870s, during the boom years of this mining, they had operated a saloon, and uh, Gillen uh, soon took over an abandoned claim called the Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And he heard that there were some eastern mining people looking to buy a mine in the area. Well, Gillen, not being the most respectable of guys, he bought a wagon load of rich ore, hauled it to this 30-foot deep claim, he dumped the ore in and set some dynamite charges to blast the ore into the sides of the hole, and then he invited these eastern mining men to look it over. <laughs> and I think they call that salting a mine, don't they? Gee whiz. <laughs> so, well, there's a little backlash to this. They liked what they saw, these guys did, and they paid him $20,000, which, you know, in 1870, that's a heck of a lot of money. Yep. Well, within a couple of days, Gillen left Tintic and was never to seen it be seen again. Imagine that. Yeah. So, but the new owners took the shaft down another 400 feet. Boy, they took the shaft, all right. And high-grade silver. <laughs> the mine became one of the richer producers in the Tintic area. So Gillen really, he blew it. <laughs> okay. Now back to Leduc. Oh, goody. Drag queen. Guy. Yeah, the drag queen. Yeah. Uh, he was doing pretty good. His new saloon was was doing pretty good. He had, you know, large brass spittoons, a hand-carved bar, the best liquor and French wines. And uh, But what he did is he told the miners that were working, he said he was interested, he was kind of studying rock samples. Uh-huh. And so he kind of told him, you know, if you'll bring me some of these rock samples, I'll just give you some, some free liquor. And so it was pretty easy for these miners just to slip a few chunks in their pockets and bring them into the bar and trade them for drinks. I see. So, Leduc got so much ore, he actually had to, had to rent a room in a boarding house to store all this ore. <laughs> well, after a few months, he put up a saloon for sale and just kind of said, you know, he's getting restless and wanted to move on. Well, word reached the McIntyres uh, that their miners were giving away the mine, basically. 
and they figured they lost between $25,000 and $50,000. So they called on the federal authorities, and they launched a search for Leduc, but he was never found. Hmm. Now, this is where we get into Leduc a little more. Here. Oh, boy, I can't hardly wait. Here we go. This ought to be wild. <laughs> okay. Well... It was a long mystery what happened to Leduc, and the mystery was solved many years later when a Salt Lake City woman's dress and hat owner on his deathbed confessed that Leduc had come to Salt Lake City. Oh, now, wait a minute. Okay, let me keep going here. Okay. <laughs> the owner said Leduc rented a hotel room in a local establishment and never went out in the day, only at night. And he lived it up in the local, ho- local clubs and theaters, the reason he went undiscovered was because of his disguise, and you figured that out. Yeah, he was dressed up like Buffalo Bob, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, the store owner, for a pretty good hefty sum of money, uh, bribery if you want to call it, provided Leduc with a long flowing wig and plenty of women's outfits. Oh, brother. So, anyway, a pervert. <laughs> well, Leduc died a year before the store, store owner, so Leduc was never caught. And, uh, like I say, the store owner kind of confessed on his deathbed a year later. Yeah, and when he was arrested, he probably hit the sheriff with his purse, I suppose, huh? <laughs> That's right. Took off running in his high heels. <laughs> Not far. <laughs> <laughs> Not very far. Uh, anyway, Leduc took the McIntyres, McIntyres for a pretty good bundle, like I say, between twenty-five and 50000 which, again, in the 1870s, that was, you know, a pretty good chunk. Yeah. But the McIntyres, they continued to operate the Mammoth, and uh, in 1890, they had two mills were built uh, at the lower end of town, and they hired a guy to supervise, and, I mean, it just uh, was really one of the best mining situations, really, in the United States. Is there still, and I don't mean to jump ahead here, but i got to ask this, when you go over on the west side, would, it, would that be the Uintas? No, that's not the Uintas, is no, it? No, it's farther south. Yeah, okay. If you go over on the west side of those mountains, you're talking about going by, down by Chester and through that area, right? Yeah, the, the towns I'm seeing on the map are Tooele, Vernon, yeah. Eureka, yeah. Anaquin, Nephi, Provo. Okay. Would you say that, would you say, doctor, that maybe even today there's probably a lot of mining or the capability of being mined, probably a lot of natural resources that have never been touched right through there? Well, it's interesting. Uh, this morning I had a patient that was telling me uh, he lives, has lived down in that area that they are going back in there and using, uh, let's see, is it arsenic or, let's see, what is it they use to leak the gold out? Oh, gee, I don't know. Um, I can't remember right offhand. I think they used the same method out here at the Black Pine mine. Oh. Uh, to, to leach the gold out. They'd put uh, all the ore in there and they'd leach it out into a, a and would had a way of catching the gold. And he told me that they are going back in there now and uh, because of new technology, they are able to get uh, more gold out of that area that the old-fashioned way didn't uh, wasn't as effective. You know, if those hills, those mountains through that area could talk, what kind of stories would they tell? I mean, my goodness about the miners and the McIntyres and uh, the kind of limp-wristed Leduc and, and uh, Gill and all these other people. Yeah. Holy smokes. I mean, there's so much history in the Center Mountain West, it's amazing. Well, and, you know, and again, like most of these places, the you know, when the or started playing out, you know, the population declined and, you know, went from 2,500 down to about 700. Uh, yeah. 
and there's and today there's a handful of people there. Uh, most of the buildings are gone, but uh, as in most old mining camps, there remains still that hope that gold and silver prices are going to go up, and and who knows, it may stage a comeback. Well, but, now the the town of Tuella. I was going to ask you about this. Was the town of Tuella basically when it was formed a mining town in that area, or not? Well, what I'm seeing on this map, Tuella is quite a bit farther north. Yeah. I don't think it was. And I could be wrong, but I don't think it was involved in the mining at all. I see. Because this is quite a bit farther south where Mammoth is and uh, this town of Eureka. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, again, looking at the pictures that I've got, uh, this would have been probably an easier place to mine because it looks uh, flatter and not so rough. It, it, there's kind of a valley, and they're, you know, compared to, say, up in the wilderness area, uh, some of the mines up there that were way back in the, the only way you could get in there is by pack mule, you know. So th- this mine looks like it was fairly easy to get to and uh, uh, just a lot more accessible. Right. So you're going to go back to that herd that they brought up from Texas. Now, a lot of people, myself included, never really equate a lot of the Texas trail drives coming over this way uh, into the northwest. I knew they went into Colorado to the Denver area, but I wasn't, uh, I wasn't really knowledgeable that they had trail drives all the way from Texas over to the Salt Lake Valley. Well, and, and something you may not be aware of, too, I just finished a book about the Owyhee area, which is that corner of Nevada, uh, Idaho, and Oregon. Yeah. There were actually uh, a lot of cattle that went over there, and in fact, uh, this book says that the largest cattle ranch in the United States was over in that Owyhee area. Really? What yeah. was the name of the trail that they supposedly used from down in Texas all the way to Salt Lake? I mean, do you know the route that they used? You know, I, I don't. Um, I'm assuming, you know, that they started out on some of the same trails that were famous, you know, the Chisholm Trail. and. Well, yeah, but then, then what was that trail in Colorado? That was the Goodnight Trail, wasn't it? Oh, the Goodnight, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, and somewhere along in there, uh, you know, the, obviously they split off and headed over this direction. Yeah. Holy cow, there's a lot of history there that we haven't even talked about. I did not know that they had cattle drives coming into Salt Lake City. I didn't know that. Yeah, and, and like say, the Owyhee area, uh, there was a lot of history. This book that I just finished was an amazing amount of history about the Indians, the mining, the cattle, the sheep. Um, and I will tell you one story that uh, I read in there that I thought was interesting. Uh, talked about the moonshiners. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'm interested. Go ahead. Okay. Well, there was a pioneer family that wanted to go on a picnic, uh, but Grandma couldn't go, and they <laughs> didn't want to leave her alone with the keg of moonshine. Oh, Granny's going to get the gallop. Yeah. <laughs> You've heard this story. I have. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well... You know, the, the dad, he figured, okay, we'll put the moonshine up in the tree because, uh, you know, then Granny can't get the moonshine, and we'll go on our picnic and have a good time. So they went on their picnic, and they come back, and here's Grandma laying on the lawn with a big smile on her face and the rifle na- laying next to her and a washtub below the keg of uh, moonshine. <laughs> She'd shot a hole in the keg and let gravity do the rest. There she go. Granny was pretty inventive. Was. Granny was a lush, but she was pretty inventive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the stories. Oh, well, there's another one. I, maybe I've told you this one, too. Uh, there was a teacher, a new teacher that came into town, and the boys usually roughed up the teachers. And, yeah. uh, you know, uh, but uh, this teacher, the first morning, 
He sat down at his desk. He pulled out a six-shooter, laid it on his desk. And, you know, he didn't have one bit of trouble. I can imagine. (laughs) Hey, listen, a great story. But, you know, let's do a little bit more research on that cattle drive into Salt Lake City. I'd like to know where that came in. Yeah, I would, too. I... uh, I'll, I'll see what I can come up with. Okay. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all, Doc, if they actually came up, and for some reason this just dawned on me, somebody had told me one time, what about Price Canyon going into, like, uh, um, let's see, Spanish Fork area? Yeah, uh, but see, then another part of that puzzle is, where did all these cattle come from, or how did they get over to the Owyhee area? Yeah, I never thought about that one either. Holy See, cow. So some of them had to come through that Utah area Yeah. Uh, over to that Owyhee area. Well, Gil Favor and Rowdy Yates were busy. Hey, real quick, i got to go, but I want to tell you something. Uh, you're familiar with the TV show Gunsmoke, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes. Do you remember who the actor was that played Newly on Gunsmoke? Played which one? Newly. Boy. Yeah, he was I, the no. he, he took over as the sheriff's deputy, Matt Dillon's uh, deputy after Festus oh, Hagen. Okay. Yeah, remember? Well, his yeah. name is Buck Taylor. I know Buck really well, and Buck is going to be on our program tomorrow at ten oh six. So you might want to tune in. Oh, okay. All That's right, great. Yeah, I'll try to turn in. Tune okay, Doctor History, better known as Doctor Ken Turner, dear friend and noted historian. Thank you for a job well done this morning. You bet. You have a good day, Zeb. God bless you, man. Thanks. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.